Good morning, class. Good morning, Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. That's the will of God, that, that we grow up in Him, that we be no longer uh, babies that are easily... Uh, tricked and deceived, tossed about to and fro with every wind of doctrine, but that we become stable and strong and we know what's right. We know what's wrong. We know the difference. And that doesn't happen automatically just by reason of time. It happens when your mind is renewed by the anointed Word of God. And so that's one big reason why we have faith school. Get your Bible if you don't have one, get yourself one before the next class. Get one and get something to make a note with and come on into the classroom and let's receive what we need today. Father, all of us agree together as touching this, asking you for the anointing, for the utterance, for the guidance, for the direction, for answers, knowing that you have all the answers. You are the answer. And so we, we lay hold of it by faith today, and we, we thank you for leading us and guiding us right out of the problem into victory and answers. And we say, get glory to yourself in it, and we will give you the glory and praise for every victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would go please to our a great textbook, the Bible, to 1 John 5 and the fourth chapter. For some uh, days now, a few weeks now, we've been on the topic we're calling faith that overcomes. And that, uh, that idea is from this, print, this that principle, that truth is from this scripture right here in 1 John 5, 4. It says, for whatsoever is born of God, overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God is not overcome, it overcomes. Is not a victim, is a victor, victorious one. Are you born of God? Yeah. <laughs> the class here says yes. <laughs> if not, you need to come on in and, and we'll be talking about how that happens. Uh, next few moments, but um, if you are born of God, and that's not automatic because you're born into a Christian family, or you're born, so I've heard people say they thought because they were born in the U.S., it made them a Christian. Well, obviously not, <laughs> but, but you, it's a matter of your faith, your personal choice, what you believe, and if you receive the Lord. Uh, as your Redeemer, as your Savior. It's a personal choice and, and it's a personal act of faith. If you do that and you are born of God, 
you are made of the same material God is. Your, your inner man is a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's why you would be automatically a born overcomer. Say it out loud, I'm born of God. I'm a born overcomer. And it said there that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Well, now that's, that's a giant statement. That's all encompassing. So if anything in the world is bothering you, causing you a problem, if you're born of God, you can overcome it. You're born of God, you're an overcomer. And it goes on to, to reveal how you overcome, how we overcome. It says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Not just a general abstract faith, a personal faith. How do I overcome the world? Uh, being born of God, it is by my faith. Look in uh, Romans, if you would, the 10th chapter, Romans 10, and he's talking about how one is born of God. Romans 10 and 8 says, the word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart, the word of faith, which we preach, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so that describes how we are born of God. And if you've never done that, you can do that right now. This is the first time you're hearing about this. You are at the right place. What do you do? You believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. The Jesus that went to the cross, that, that bore and paid for the sins of the world, including yours, including mine. And that he didn't just die and that's the end of it. God raised him from the dead, showing that his uh, sacrifice for sin had been accepted and payment for sin had been accomplished. Justice is satisfied. What does that mean? Well, he didn't go to the cross for his sins. That means your sins have been taken care of. Oh, hallelujah. And if you'll receive what he did, you will never have to pay for your sins. You don't have to be judged for your sins. Sometimes people are at them and they say, well, you know, you're going to reap what you sowed. You sowed it so you'll reap it. Not if somebody else reaped it for you. That's what redemption is about. And that is why it is such amazingly good news if you accept what he has done, that he reaped your sin, that he paid the price for what you sowed, then you don't have to. You won't have to go to hell. You won't have to be judged. You won't have to pay for what you did in this life for, because of before God, you'll be accepted and clean and made holy and made righteous. You won't have to reap what you sowed. 
So everybody said out loud, I believe in God. I believe in his son, Jesus, that he died on the cross. He paid for all my sins, every mistake, every failure. And I believe he has been raised from the dead. He's alive right now, King of kings, Lord of lords, soon to come again. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. I confess you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's how you're born of God. And if you just did that then for the first time, you are born of God. And you know it. Nobody has to tell you. You know something amazing has happened on the inside of you. It's on the inside, not all the outside. The outside hadn't changed, but the inside has changed. Now he goes on to say uh, later in this same passage, how will they call on him in whom they've not believed? They, they can't. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? They can't. How shall they hear without a preacher? They can't. How shall they preach except they be sent? They can't. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That's a definition of gospel. What is the gospel? Sometimes you'll hear people say good news, and that's correct. That, that's accurate. But you see here he says it a little bit differently. Glad tidings, or we might say news, uh, and also you'll see just a moment, it uses the word report. Well, what is news? I mean, most people have a local news station, local news time, and there's a national news. What are you seeing and hearing on that? A report of something. Reporters went and uh, documented something or uh, recorded something or interviewed something and they came back and now the announcer or the anchor, whoever, is giving the report, which is the news. And that's the word that's used right here. The, the glad tidings or the, the glad report, the glad news of the good things. This is good news, not bad news. And he says, Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. The gospel is to be believed, received, obeyed. There's an obedience of faith that is the right response to the gospel. If you think, well, you know, I can take it or I can leave it. Well, you have that uh, option as an act of your will, but you don't have a moral right to uh, the Lord went to great, great lengths to save you. And for you to disrespect it is dishonorable. And it'd be the worst mistake of your existence. But he says they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our what? Report. There's that word again. And verse 17, even though we're, we're used to quoting it like the King James says, the word hearing here 
is that same word is also translated report. And the, uh, the Young's literal translation reads like this, So then faith comes by a report, and the report by the Word of God, or by hearing what God has said. So there's a lot of emphasis in these in three or four verses on report or news. And it's talking about the gospel, which is the good news, the glad news of good things. If what you're hearing is not making you glad, then are you hearing the gospel? <laughs> if you are, you're not listening to it. You're not receiving it. You're not believing it. If you hear the gospel and you believe it, it will make you glad. It will excite you. It is the most exciting news you will ever hear. And thank God it includes missing hell, but that's not all the good news there is to it. It's the good news about how instead of being lost and separated from God and judged, instead of that, not only are we saved from judgment and perishing, but we are made new. We're made holy. We're made righteous, which qualifies us for all the goodness of God going forward. That we are made uh, righteous. We can come boldly right into the presence of the holy of holies. Our names in the Lamb's book of life. We have a permanent place in the forever family. Being trained right now to rule and reign with him. Is that good news? Is that good? It's the best news you've ever heard. Now go with me back to Numbers 13. We've, we've been looking at this last week, but we want to go on further. You see such a, a clear graphic demonstration of the difference between good news and bad news here in Numbers 13 and 14. And the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians uh, 10 not to uh, ignore these passages of the Old Testament because they are examples for us. They're, we're supposed to learn a lot of things by watching what happened to them and what didn't happen to them. You'll find in the Old Testament examples of faith that are to be followed, and you'll find that there are examples of unbelief that are to be avoided. And you'll find both. In, in Numbers 13, it's the point where God has delivered his, his people out of Egyptian slavery and gotten them to the border of the land he said he was giving them, Canaan's land, the land that flowed with milk and honey. And the 12 spies went in the, into the land for 40 days they checked everything out to see who was there, what was there. They came back and gave the report. They gave the words, uh, the news, if you will. And the Bible said in Numbers 13, verse 26, they came back and brought word to them, the report, the news, showed them the fruit of the land. They said, verse 27, uh, we came to the land where the us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled, 
and very great, and we saw the children of Anak there. And verse 32 says, And they brought up an evil report. Now this is the, the opposite of good report, the opposite of good news. Uh, we don't use the word evil as much in our modern vernacular, but the definition of this word is bad, bad. What we would call bad, uh, many times in the King James, is translated evil. So evil, bad, the same. They brought up a bad report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel. So God had given them a good report. And then the, the, the people who had spied out the land, they're bringing now a bad report. Other translations say, the, the Holman translation says, they gave a negative report. Uh, another one said, they spoke ill of the land. Another one said, they disparaged the land. One said, they spread disparaging reports. And if you put other scriptures together, it says that it discouraged the people's hearts and their, their courage melted, their hearts melted in hearing about the giants and hearing about the walled cities. Now, had God's report changed what he had told them, which was, I've given you the land. It's a beautiful land. It's a wonderful land. It flows with milk and honey. See, when it says they brought up an evil report, it was an evil report about the land. Look at this again in Numbers 13. I think sometimes folks have, have missed this part. They just heard evil report and they stopped uh, thinking or stopped, stopped reading. Now, what was the bad news? Uh, verse 32, they brought up an evil report of the land, which they searched of the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Now God said it's a good land. But what are they saying now? They're saying, no, it's a land that will destroy you. It's a land that will eat you up. It's a land that will kill you. You go over there and you will die. It's the land where you die. And that's not what God said. He said, it's a land where you'll flourish. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's a land where you'll flourish. Go with me, if you would, to Isaiah the, uh, the fourth chapter, and notice this. This is something we're going to be referring to again and again. And I'm going to have you turn there because I'd like for you to, uh, to mark it. And about verse uh, 19 or so, of course, it's always good to, to read all of these uh, chapters and, and get the whole context. But um, I, I told you wrong. It's chapter 5. Isaiah 5 and uh, 20. And again, mark this. 
Mark this and let this be a, a mark on your, your heart. He says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. This is one of the biggest problems in Christianity today. I know that's a big statement, but the further I go, I think you're going to see it. One of the biggest problems and errors in the church, calling evil good and calling good evil. What what do you mean? Well, notice the next verse there, verse uh, 21 had said, Woe unto those that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. People think they're wiser and smarter and so they've complicated things. They, they've gone to school to get this complicated. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you know, we know we enjoy being healthy and feeling good. But you know, that might not be the best for you. God, in his infinite wisdom, he may want you to be sick so that you develop in piety or you develop in this. So is sickness bad or good? Well, it could be good. It depends on if it's God's will for you. Really? You you see what I'm saying? Is it good or is it bad? Or can we not know? (laughs) Now you're laughing, but this is three quarters of the church or more. Same thing with uh, lack and poverty. You know, uh, people will say, well, you know, it's it's not good for you to have all that money and and that nice stuff. uh, And and maybe, you know, you'd develop more in holiness if you were real poor. And God's will is obviously for some people to be real poor. Why obviously? Well, because they are. Some people have a lot and some people don't have anything. And we don't know why it's that way, but God in his wisdom saw fit. So for them, poverty is good. And the people that have a lot, well, it's bad. They just don't know it. They're comfortable, but they don't know that they're in bad shape. This is hopelessly confusing. And it's of the enemy. I said it's of the enemy. And he said, woe unto those who call evil good and call good evil. Let's read it again. Verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good. Well, now you'd have to know what was evil and what was good. Right? So that you don't get them mixed up (laughs) and are calling one something that is not. And you got, I mean, you got some, some ridiculous doctrines in the church. People, theologians with their degrees have written books and have decided, you know, that it's all, you know, beyond our understanding, but that God is actually working with the enemy. And the enemy does his bidding and his work. Uh, honey child, if God and the devil are working together, we might as well give up now. Right? I mean, how are we going to make it? Right? And how do you know what to resist? 
How do you know what to receive? How do you know what to fight? How do you know what to yield to? How do you know what to stand up for? And if I can't tell the difference between good and evil, how can God hold me accountable to live a good life and not do evil when I don't even know the difference? I can't tell. (laughs) Can you see this is of the enemy? I said, this is of the enemy. I mean, a three-year-old can get the truth. What do you mean? God is a good God. He does good things. The devil, he's a bad devil. He does bad things. Do they ever cross over, mix up together, say, hey, let's swap jobs today? Never, 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 never. God's creation was good from the beginning. Let's go back to Genesis, to the beginning. Remind ourselves of how this whole thing started out. What do you say? Yes. Huh? Genesis 1. Oh, somebody said out loud, God is a good God. He does good things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good things. Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 4, you know, he saw the light that it was good. Skip down to verse 9. God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together. And God called the dry land earth and and the waters seas. And he saw that it was good. Everybody say good, good. Verse 11, God said, let the earth bring forth the grass. And and it did. And, And verse 12, the earth brought forth grass and herb and tree. And God saw that it was good. Down to verse 16, God made two great lights. He made the stars. He set the firmament of the heaven to give light. Verse 18, and God saw that it was good. Verse 20, let the waters bring forth abundantly. And verse 21, God created the great whales and every living creature that moves and winged fowl. And God saw that it was good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say good. Good. What are we seeing so far that God made? Good. Good, And then then he made some good. And then what did he make? He made good good things and good stuff. Right? I, I say sometimes, on what day did God create cancer? On which day did God create AIDS or COVID or on which day? It's not in here. Why? Because it is not good. I said it's not good. COVID is not good. Cancer is not good. Diabetes is not good. Heart trouble is not good. Well, now you just don't. It it could be. No, it can't be. It never is. This is what you got to get settled, child of God, now. See, you, you keep playing with this stuff and you keep mixing stuff up. You'll wind up calling evil good. You'll wind up calling good evil. And that's what they did when they slandered the good land that God had given them. And we're out of time. (laughs) As you can see, there's a lot more to talk about. Come back tomorrow and let's get this straight about good and evil. We'll see you soon back here at Faith School. I've got the victory. 
Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390. Great.